0: Welcome to The Gridiron, hosted by The Drive Podcast Network. My name is Adam Ramirez. I want to thank you very much for listening and give you the news that The Drive Podcast Network now has a website. It's called thedrivepodcast.net. Please feel free to visit our website and view all of the content that we have on there for the five podcasts that are housed under the umbrella. We have The Gridiron, The Diamond, The Court, The Tube, and The News Desk. All of those podcasts are updated weekly, as well as all of the blogs that I write and all of the contributors' pieces on our websites. You also have an About section there where you can reach out to us should you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions. As always, we thank you for listening. And we'll get off to today's start with the Gridiron. I want to welcome in a contributor for this week. We will have contributors throughout the week for some of our different podcasts. We will have another one tomorrow for The Tube. And then the third one on Thursday for the Diamonds podcast. So, I do want to welcome our contributor for today on the Gridiron, Leonardo Velasquez, longtime friend. And he's helping us out today, going through some of the topics that are going on during the offseason as we inch closer to training camp. How are you doing, Leo?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk some football with you today.
0: Thank you for taking the time to be on. And,. We do want to get in and start right away before we hit our first topic i do want to mention that i started on the blogs last week writing down my predictions for weeks one through four we're going to continue building up those predictions as the weeks comes by this week's blog will be posted tomorrow and it'll have my predictions for weeks five through eight and as we go through each week for the next couple of weeks we'll eventually hit all 16 weeks and do one final week of playoff predictions as we lead up to my Super Bowl picks for this year. So not a lot of news so far. Did, have you noticed if you're following up on NFL.com that a lot of the topics are actually, they remain the same from day to day?
1: Yeah, or they're just having a ton of like top 10, this or that of all time, and just lists that they have every single year.
0: Yeah, no joke. Like the other day I saw an article that someone wrote was like top 10 summer NFL reads that you would like, that you should read that every football fan should read or whatever. You can tell that they're really scraping for any kind of subjects that they can talk about right now.
1: Yeah. But so are we. So we're, we're reading those pieces. (laughs) I don't know how
0: people that just do football for a living are able to go through these six months. I mean, between the draft and training camp, it's a dead period. It's tough. But One of the things that did come out last week was an article about Adrian Peterson saying that one of the things that would push him to retire early is the grind of training camp and the time that it takes to prepare and kind of the monotony that surrounds that when you're not in the middle of the season and and you're not really preparing for a game every week. And so it kind of got me thinking whether this issue comes up again and again as players get into their veteran stage and they reach a point where they want to skip training camp and maybe you'll hear about certain players getting injured and recovering from those not so sure how valid or certain those rumors are but do you think that there should be some kind of rule or if not a rule maybe just a custom that's followed regarding veterans skipping training camp either to maintain them physically or mentally fresh for the season
1: I don't think they should be skipping training camp Uh, I know there are a lot of them that do and I, I was reading that there's actually a thirty or $40,000 fine per day of training camp missed, um, but I don't, I'm not sure that that's actually enforced. I know there's a lot of players that take a lot of days off that aren't actually injured, and they are usually veterans. One of them that I know is uh, Antonio Gates. He takes a lot of days off during training camp. Um, they never mention any injuries or anything like that, but, no, it's a, it's a team sport. Um, one of the things that Adrian Peterson said uh, in that interview in the same one that he said, where he said that he, this might drive him to retirement, which is total, not totally not true, is that this, that he doesn't really get a benefit from training camp, that it's really all about the younger players um, benefiting from it and getting adapted to the playbook and just being around all the, uh, the new teammates a lot of times. And I really think that this is a team sport. So the veterans should be there to help the young players in whichever way they can help them. Because if the younger players benefit, then the veterans benefit and the team as a whole comes together and just benefits.
0: <laughs> but if you have a guy like like you mentioned, Antonio so he takes time off. Is it worth, or I guess you have that trade-off, is the, the advice or whatever benefit they can give to the rookies or the newer players, is that worth potentially wearing out the veteran a little bit more for, for when the actual season comes and, and, and you're gonna need them as fresh as you can. Are those extra rips really that significant in the months of you know April, May, June um, compared to wanting
1: to have a fresh player in September? I I think so. I think it starts off by setting a positive example for the for the younger players and not saying, hey, training camp sucks. It's boring. It's monotonous and I don't want to be here. And also, I don't know if you've been to any practices or training camps before, but there's a, it's pretty unexciting. There's a lot of standing around Mm -hmm. and just kind of like chatting. Um, So I I really don't think it's, it takes a big strain on their bodies, maybe mentally, you know, they don't want to be there, but I don't think it's an issue of uh, health or risking injury too much uh, during training camp.
0: Yeah, and I see what you mean with the mental aspect of it. Because you look at a, if you look at these players, a lot of them, ever since high school, they probably haven't really had a sit in a meeting, they probably didn't have to go too frequently or through too intensive lectures in college because of the classes that a lot of these guys are taking. So if you're introduced into the game as a rookie or the first few years playing, you're in these long meetings every day, and they're probably pretty repetitive because as a coach, you probably also have a lot of pressure. You want to keep your players entertained as well as informed throughout these meetings. So it's interesting to compare what some guys say is a mental drag, like Adrian Peterson, to someone like Peyton Manning who – says that he enjoys every single aspect of the game from the preparation and training camp to the preparation and practice, and he enjoys that almost as much as the game. Do you buy that from a guy like Peyton Manning, or do you think he's just, he says the right things? Do you think there's guys out there that actually enjoy this entire process?
1: I, I do. Uh, overall, I feel like Peyton Manning just says the right things a lot, <laughs> but I can, I can definitely see him you know, being like a, a chess player or someone who's, you know enjoys setting up and working on strategy the whole week so that on Sunday you just execute it and, you know, you get a Hall of Fame career like he did. Yeah, I think I think there are players that enjoy it. Apparently Adrian Peterson is not one of them.
0: <laughs> Apparently not. And I wonder when it comes to, like, in free agency as players are trying or as teams are trying to recruit players to come in, do you think that part of the pitch could be you can come in and we'll cut you some slack during training camp or, or you, you won't have to – take part in as many meetings? Because if you look at the media, they'll always point out who didn't make a training camp practice, right? Or, or a um, voluntary workout practice. But no one is really there to ever point out who missed the meeting. Do
1: you think that's yeah. that's
0: maybe part of the package when you're recruiting free agents?
1: Um, I don't think you would want a player who doesn't want to be a part of the meeting. But, you know, I, I take Adrian Peterson. He doesn't have to come to any meetings. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's, he doesn't have to come any day except Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, no, but again, I, I just that that's so bad of Adrian Peterson. Like, what kind of example is he setting to like the rookies? You know, like rookies are coming in, they are, they're just starstruck by all their teammates. You know, like they are bombarded by the media. Like they have, you know, millions of dollars now, like at their disposal, and there's so many distractions. Like, and then you have someone who like Adrian Peterson, who's just setting such a terrible example of like, yeah, don't you know, I don't really want to work hard. Like, and I mean, I don't know, he works so hard. I mean, he does work so hard. It's, I don't know what it is. I don't know what, um, what the issue is there, uh, but it, he's just setting a terrible example for the younger players, the rookies especially who, you know, they're hot shots at their universities. um, But in the NFL, they're really nothing, not even the first rounders, not even the top 10 picks. And so they need to work at it, and Adrian Peterson's probably not setting that right example.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't help that he can back himself up by saying that you know the the, yeah. year, the year after that he tore his ACL, he comes back and he doesn't go through the entire offseason routine. He doesn't go through those practices. I don't know how many meetings he went through or how many he skipped, you know, for quote rehab or something. But <laughs> it doesn't help that the season after that he pretty much led the league in rushing and <laughs> was a comeback player of the year, right? So. I don't know. I guess it's a whole... Maybe there's an entitlement to it. Once you reach a certain point, you you think you should get more perks, kind of like in some careers, you know, more veteran status, which kind of leads us into our second topic. When you're talking about players transitioning from one team to another as they're reaching that veteran stage, or maybe even in the primary career, you start seeing these ridiculous contracts for some players. And... I know you and I have talked about in the past, and you brought up a great point, and it kind of inspired this topic, about how as players transition from teams, there's not really a spark that'll click that'll make that player worth the amount of money that they're getting paid, because they carry the same problems that they had in their previous teams onto the next one, which then kind of begs the question, is it worth teams signing these high-priced free agents? Or should you go more with like a New England style where they, they don't really go after the big names, but they get the Julian Edelmans and the Chris Hogan's they got this year, the Danny Amendola's that just do enough um, to kind of
1: earn their spot on the team? Or, or the Donald Browns. I don't know if you heard, of, heard about that. They, they, all, they acquired Donald Brown. Um, yeah. It's really hard to say, you know, as a fan, by the time free agency comes around in March, the season has already been over about three months for me. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we missed we miss the playoffs. <laughs> um, <laughs> so at that point, I'm ready to sign the Lamar Millers, the Doug Martin, the Bruce Irvin, you yeah. know, the, the, the guys that had a great season, basically. Mm-hmm. But time and time again, we see that these high-priced players don't have the impact that they were expected to have. Uh, most of the time, it's just a desperate reshuffling of players from one team to another I felt mm-hmm. like that happened a lot this this year with the running backs. They just like they just traded off uh, running backs, and but none of them were, none of them are really in a better situation than they were. Like the Jets giving up Chris Ivory, who was a great fit for them, mm-hmm. and then the, then acquiring um, Matt Forte. Yeah, and he's a great player, but I don't know that he's gonna be a, as good as Chris Ivory was already there with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, anyways, and then. Yeah, so they 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 take like these players who had one good season, like Doug Martin this year or two years ago, DeMarco Murray, who we all knew was just part of a system of amazing, an amazing line. That even Darren McFadden, who I think is a great player, but um, is in his later years, he he did great with them la- with that line last year as well. And the other situation we see is a lot of teams just outright reaching in desperation to fill a position of need, such as. Uh, the signings of Marvin Jones and Brock Osweiler this year. I mean, that contract that Brock Osweiler got was just ridiculous. He has done nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's won a game, or yeah, I'm sure he has, but not himself. You know, it was a defense, I'm sure, right. that won it. Um, and it's a rare situation when you, get, when you see a top player leave their team in the, in the prime of their careers, they get paid and they perform just as expected. This has happened in recent years, and the only, the only time I really have seen this happen is with uh, Payne Manning and Darrell Rivas. Darrell Rivas is, like, the epitome of, like, a good free agency uh, pickup, you know. Um, like, he, we all knew that he was going to succeed in Tampa. We all knew that he was going to succeed in New England, and he'll probably succeed again in New York. Um, but that's what I'm trying to say. Like, we all kind of know what free agents are going to succeed and what free agents are going to be overpaid. Like we, we all know that uh, DeMarco Murray is going to have another terrible year, you know? Well, uh, that's my opinion, I guess, but I, I knew this from the beginning, I promise. I might've mentioned it to you that that I thought he was not suited for the, for the offense of Philadelphia. And apparently from what I've seen and from what I've heard, uh, the Titans run a similar offense, especially with Mariota uh, under center. So who would, have thought, who would
0: have thought? Ryan Matthews was going to
1: outlast him in Philadelphia? Huh? Oh, Other man, than yeah. sorry. Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. He is perfect for that offense. He's got the size, the speed. He's got it all, man. He just doesn't have a, the calcium in his. He's bone. their number
0: one right now, right?
1: Yeah. It's either him or world.
0: Yeah. I don't think they have anyone else.
1: Yeah, he'll get injured. They're going to have to. <laughs> they're going to need a backup, <laughs> and it can't be close, But um, yeah, again, it's just it's it's. It's hard. To, yeah, cold hard facts. They're usually not worth it. But as a fan, of course, you want to bring in, you know, the top guys Good of team that team. last year. Yeah, it's exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, and if you look at like a team like the Jets, you know, they got. I don't know that their acquisitions or acquisitions were super like, praised when they did it in terms of getting Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker last year. But I would say that those are, like, unusually good signings, right?
1: Yeah. Um, Brandon Marshall was a trade. And Eric Decker, man, I told you from the beginning, too. I, I, I had that guy on my fantasy team. He was going to be a beast. Um, and he did good. He, he had, like, a touchdown or 100 yards every game. Yeah, they're, they're good under-the-radar sa- signings, um, that which is what you need. You've told me, like, all, you always tell me about the Seattle Seahawks, how they're so good because they don't pay their players or they haven't had to – they've had a whole bunch of great drafts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what it takes. That's really what it takes, more than just the one good – or not one good, but one big-name free agent signing who's going to eat up all your cap space.
0: Yeah, but and it's difficult because if you're a team like – I don't know, Miami this year, right, who paid Olivier Vernon or um, who paid and Sue a couple of years ago or New York this year who paid Olivier Vernon and a bunch of other acquisitions there on their defense. What do you do with all the money and not go after the high-priced free agents? Like you mentioned, almost to, like, appease your fan base, you have to at least take a shot at these guys. And who wouldn't? (laughs) You kind of have to do it. Because, if, yeah, yeah, like, the Seahawks, it's interesting. We bring up the Seahawks all the time because of their model and the Patriots as well. But those teams mm-hmm. have never been in a position where, they have, where they're leading the league in cap space, you know? And it'd be interesting to see if they were what they would do with that money because yeah. it's, hard well, to, it's hard to look at your fans in the face after lo- a losing season saying, oh, we could have spent $20 million more, but we don't subscribe to that philosophy.
1: The Patriots recently did it with Daryl Rivas. I think they paid him like $20 million, right, for that one year, and then they went to the Super Bowl. But and then they wanted, it, and they didn't want to pay him after that. They'd rather let
0: him go to a division rival. Yeah. It's yeah. unreal. And with that brings us to the free agent situation in New York. What is going on with Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Jets? Are they going to take care of this?
1: Oh, man, I don't know. It's, it's pretty, you know, it's already pretty late into the process. Um, I guess minicamp is more for the rookies than the veterans. So it's, uh, (laughs) but, you know, minicamp already passed and training camp is about to come up. Um, I'm really hoping they get it done. I I was, I I watched a lot of uh, Jets game last year because like I mentioned, I had Chris Ivory on my fantasy team, something that I was super proud of last year because I drafted him because I believed in him. I scouted him and nobody believed in him. And I also had Eric Decker. I forgot about him. Um, I think Eddie Lacy really... <laughs> 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 Yeah. Well, who didn't? But um, anyways, yeah. So I had Ivory on my team. And so naturally, I watched a lot more New York Jets games. And they were also in the new in the uh, London game. So mm-hmm. that was a special thing to watch at 6 in the morning. Um, but, but yeah at least so, you don't have to
0: stay up to midnight and watch those Eastern conference games at
1: NBA. Oh, know. yeah that's true um, so yeah so while I was watching these all these New York jet games like I I love what I was seeing from Fitzpatrick you know um, but now that I think about it I went back and researched uh, how Ryan Fitzpatrick had performed and I realized that the only reason I really like how how the Jets offense look was because I had low expectations of the Jets uh, quarterbacks and low expectations of Brian Fitzpatrick but yeah looking back this is Fitzpatrick's best statistical year and it's not even that great Um, and he definitely doesn't deserve the money he's asking for he's asking for the $20 million you know a year contract that every other top quarterback is getting but um, for this past year, he, Ryan Fitzpatrick scored 31 touchdowns, which is very, very solid. Like, It's very good. Like, you'd probably be happy if your team's quarterback uh, scored that many touchdowns. But he also threw 15 interceptions, fumbled five times, and did not even break the 4,000-yard mark. So I guess my updated view on this matter is that Fitzpatrick is asking for way too much money. Um, but really what's going on here is that the Jets don't really have another choice. And basically, if they go with Geno Smith or the other quarterback they recently drafted, then they're not—they're basically throwing the season away, in my eyes. And probably, I don't know—I think they are throwing the season away without without Ryan. Um, But if
0: you look just just in a vacuum, and you're talking about like who deserves it and who doesn't, if you had to give twenty million dollars for one year to either Ryan Fitzpatrick or
1: Brock Osweiler, who do you take? Right, so Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's also not asking for... he. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is specifically asking for a contract. I think the Jets were willing to pay him the, the $20 million for one year or something like that. Oh, I thought it was the opposite.
0: I thought that he wanted the one year, and they just didn't want to pay that much for one year, which would be very foolish on the Jets' part because they're not planning on keeping Fitzpatrick for more than one year, I would assume, because you eventually have to bring up another guy.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, he's... he's at thirty-three, he's too old. <laughs> yeah, and Gino,
0: Gino Smith isn't your future. So what, what's your game plan here? Well, they, they drafted another guy,
1: right? Um, this year or last year? Yeah,
0: yeah. But even then, like, I don't know. I mean, it, he could turn out. To, it's like the Raiders, right? They have Connor Cook in the fourth round, and they're saying that he's looking really good. So these late later round quarterbacks could pan out, but that's not a. <laughs> That's not a sustainable plan, you know. I think the Patriots are more of a plan with Garoppolo behind Brady, and he probably doesn't have any chance of getting in for the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, no, that, and that's why that's what makes the whole like situation so, like, annoying. That they need him. Yeah. <laughs> they just need it, They just need to like get it together because the Jets are good for Fitzpatrick, and the, and Fitzpatrick is good for the Jets. You know, at least for like the next two years, uh, because Fitzpatrick is, he's just. Very like, solid and you know, comfortable, and that's what you really need with a great defensively-led team like the Jets. Like, the Jets were number, uh, ranked number five defensively last year, and basically the reason that Fitzpatrick did so well is because he had so many opportunities because the Jets kept on stopping the other teams, mm-hmm. and then there was no pressure. They had a good running game. So I think Fitzpatrick probably knows that he's not that good, but he also knows that he's the Jets' only option. Yeah, and, if they and you're, kind, win.
0: you're kind of on a ticking clock here because that defense is only going to get worse. You're losing players exactly. every year, and players are getting older every year. And Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker are only going to be sustainable. Their legs and their arms are only going to be sustainable for a certain amount of time. So not, not to hit home here, but they're in a very similar situation to the Chargers. Philip Rivers is only going to be there for a few more years, so it's a win now kind of situation, and they're not approaching it the
1: right way. Exactly. You know, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. I think they have like another two or, yeah, one or two good years left on that defense. As in, you know, they're, they'll still be good, but not top five, you know, defense forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right, right. <laughs> no, and like,
0: like you alluded to earlier, this could just be a facade for another veteran player trying to skip training camp. <laughs> 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 we'll see um with that we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode of the gridiron i do want to thank you leo for taking the time to be on as a contributor this week we hope to have you on many future episodes in the so as always please make sure to visit the drive net website is up there along with all of the contributions from everyone and all of the podcasts that are housed under that umbrella uh any last comments leo before we wrap this up
1: um yeah, I had a question. Who Who is your biggest bust uh, free agency signing for this year? Do you have one or up, my, up the top of your head? Or... Biggest bust free agency signing. Yeah, the guy that, you know, got paid and is just not going to perform at all.
0: Hmm. Uh, I really think that Miami picking up uh, Mario Williams was mm-hmm. a mistake. Because you're, you're beefing up your pass rush for sure, but I think you're getting Mario Williams two years too late. I think that he's going to be kind of in a similar situation to what Justin Tuck was when the Raiders picked him up. This a guy that was a dominant force on defense. But when he got to the Raiders, he had maybe half a season that was really awesome. And then uh, just kind of whatever games after that. What Justin Tuck did have was a great leadership mentality to help out some of the veterans on that Young Raiders line, which I don't see Mario Williams having. He kind of has a little bit more of a deal attitude. So I think that's going to be a bust for the Dolphins.
1: Yeah, I like that pick. I, and uh, overall, I think, I mean, they're going to be better off, but it's not going to be the Mario Williams that they're probably hoping to get. No. Um, but, Who, are you thinking? Okay. Who are you thinking? You know... I was just thinking Marvin Jones because of the money that he got more than anything. And, and Brock Osweiler is my other one, but he's just, he's just too, too easy of a pick. Yeah. Um, Maybe, maybe in the future. And, and I think the Texans had the money to spend, you know, they, I think they, they have plenty of cap space even now, but um, Marvin Jones, he's such a second wide receiver to be getting paid uh, first wide receiver kind of money. But, well, we'll see.
0: Yeah, and, and really, like, I hope Osweiler proves us wrong. Just because I feel for the guy. He had to sit behind Manning for, <laughs> like, three years, always hoping that Manning would take some plays off at the end of the game. And I, I don't know if you remember that sight of him putting on his helmet <laughs> a year ago <laughs> and getting ready to I go did. on the field. And then Manning just, like, cuts him off. And he's like, well, wow, that sucks. Oh, um, yeah. so I'm, I'm hoping he disproves this. But from what I saw with him... At, at the quarterback, come with a great defense in Denver. Um, it just—I I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, another one that just popped into mind is uh, maybe Travis Benjamin of the Chargers. Well, so
1: the thing is, <laughs> now the thing is that he didn't get overpaid. Like he didn't get paid a ton of money. I think he's making six million a year. Yeah, which is not not as much as like eight, nine, ten million dollars a year that other people are making.
0: He got paid. He got paid but, just enough to get injured before he can score a touchdown this season.
1: Oh, we'll have to see about that That one. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Uh, I had a good time, and I hope to uh, make the cut for future podcasts. We'll see, man.
0: No, thank you. Thank you very
1: much. Please look out for
0: weeks five through eight in terms of my predictions for the 2016 NFL season. Visit thedrivepodcast.net. Drop us a line if you ever have anything to say, suggestions, questions, comments. Looking forward to hearing them. So, Thanks again, Leo. We appreciate everyone listening to this podcast. And for the rest of the podcast, the remainder of this week and in the future. Thank you.